Welcome back. Previously on Shouldn't Even Be Here, we talked to Darnell about his career in comedy. Sitting down with him again, get a little bit more about his life. Here with Joe, I'm Chris, and Andy. We're going to continue talking to Darnell. Leading this mob. That's a good question. Hi, everybody! You have everything. Pneumonia? Yes. Juvenile diabetes? Yes. Hysterical pregnancy? A, a little bit, yes. Aren't you supposed to give him anesthetic? What's wrong with you? Uh, you had a stroke about seven years ago. I'm 37?! At least I don't have cancer. Chemo's toxic. That you've managed to be walking around all this time is nothing short of a miracle. Not even supposed to be here today. So, Darnell, you started off uh, with your introduction saying that you were almost blown up in Iraq, I believe. <laughs> that's a great way to put it. So, yeah, that's true, though. So, I'm guessing before you got there that you mm-hmm. uh, maybe enlisted. So, where's your story yeah. start? 2000, we graduated from Canisius, 99, 2000, went to UB, and I wanted to play football, but these guys were huge, man, you know what I mean? Even That like, was right after UB went D1, when we were freshmen was yeah, the year that, that was they went first Division year. One. Yeah, 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 it, that's exactly why I didn't play. As a sidebar, <laughs> I, know we, I, know, I know we said it last time, I promise we do know people who we didn't graduate high school with, but go on. <laughs> Oh. The people we go to high school with are the only ones who have agreed to do the show. Oh, um, what a bummer that must have been! In 1999, you're yeah. playing, you're playing high school football. You're like, yeah. hey, you know what? I got into the local university. It's a big school. Yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go play football in their D3 program. Yeah, and then over the summer, hey, we're going D1. Yeah, that sucked, man. And these guys, they would literally sit. They wouldn't even have like dress. They would sit on the sidelines. You know what I mean? It would just basically be practice dummies. And I was like, I am not doing that. So I didn't do it's that. It's like, I don't want to get hit and knocked around and scramble my brain. I'm going to join the army instead. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like, I had a, I had, they gave me a free computer that year and I was just online surfing and I came across it and I was just like, okay, I'll give them a call. Cause they make it look all juicy. Wait, wait, wait. Who, yeah. who Go gave back. You the we gotta, so we're gonna start that story again. Who gave, who gave you a free computer? Well, I was like in a in a program, like a summer program that adjusts me towards college. You know what I mean? I wasn't the brightest kid. Third honors back in Kinesis was like, I was like, oh, I made it. Like, <laughs> I'm an intellectual. <laughs> so I wasn't, you know, I wasn't the brightest. I was average. So they, you know, this program, it was like a readjustment to college. I, mean, I don't know what a good comparison would be, but they gave me a free computer. Who and gave you a computer? The this program a- that I was in. You know, oh, it was like okay. a transition from mm-hmm. high school to college. So it wasn't the army that gave you a computer. No, no, no. It was like a because when you first said it, I was totally mm-hmm. picturing like a laptop oh. that the army gave you that you opened and would just like play army videos, and you're like, no. "Oh, the army's awesome." No, <laughs> yeah, this was a this was a bulky desktop, man. And you know, I looked up; it had like the you know Ethernet connection, and it was an army commercial that came up as a pop up, and mm-hmm. they just made it look so good. And you know what I mean? I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna get this guy a call." That was back in the Army of One days, yeah. right? That was the ad campaign, being yeah. Army of One. Yeah, man. And I called him, and he was just like, yeah. He called me back the next day. I came in from class. He called me. He's like, yeah, let's go have breakfast. You know, I'll take you out to Denny's and poor college. I'm like, Denny's, yeah. You know, that's high class eating. Grand slam. Yeah, you know what I mean? So he took me out, and then he was just like, yeah, you take the test, and you get a $10,000 enlistment bonus, and you're going to enjoy it. You go to basic training. are going to teach you all the skills. You're going to have a job. I was like, sweet, sign me up. So I signed up. 
And now and, did you uh, sign up for, you went active duty? You joined National the Guard, National Guard. Okay, so that's yeah. like the reserves. Yeah, yeah. So they pay for your school, you know, pay for undergrad, go to basic training. You know. Now in, in 2000, yeah. that probably sounded like a really sweet deal. Yeah. And then sometime, what, end of 2001, maybe not August, not quite October, but somewhere in the middle there, yeah, things right. probably changed your perspective on yeah. signing up for the I didn't army. realize how quick that was. Yeah, 2001. Wow. That was two years, a year in. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah, September 11th happened. I was going to political science class. It was like 9.45. Then saw the towers, you know, planes at the towers. My cousin, he called me in my dorm room. He was like, yeah, you're going to war. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, this is what I signed up for. But, you know, you had to do what you signed up for. So we had guys doing all excuses. Oh, I'm gay. Oh, I have hepatitis B. Like, anything to get out of war, you know what I mean? Like, it was crazy. But, Bone spurs, uh, I heard, work pretty well. And everybody said something to get out. But, uh, you know, we went. So when did you actually go? We went 2003 for a training. What you do is you do a, like a six month to a year training before war, like simulated war. So this was, you were still in school. Yeah. School was out of the picture. You get activated. You take a little break. Yeah. You take a little break. Yeah. So I know this is a little bit cutting to the end. Did you finish? Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah I finished yeah. my undergrad. But, um, but you took a time out here. So you're yeah. taking a time out. You just get called up. You do what you got to do on your commitment. Mm -hmm. So they train you. Yeah. So you take your six months and you go practice and you get ready yeah. to go. And then, so you deployed in 2002? 2003. We were in country 2004. And when you say yeah. in country? Which country? Uh, Iraq. Yeah. Now, do you remember which, which part of Iraq? We were in Balad, Iraq. Yeah. Okay. I have a feeling you remember that pretty clearly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, if, yeah. We, if we ask you how many states you visited, it would probably be a little bit foggy, but you're like, no, I know where I was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We were in Balad. When you signed up for the National Guard, did you get to pick what your job was going to be? Uh, it's based on how you perform on the ASVAB. It's like an entrance test to get in the Army. And based on how high you score, that's your position. And based on the region, that's where you're going to go into. So in our region, it's medics, combat engineers, infantry, and transportation. I want to be a combat engineer. And, based what, on, and what does that job do? Uh, basically, engineering task in war, um, building bridges, uh, demolition, mine detection, which was crazy. That's around like the Saving Private Ryan area. That's what they did when they were first touched down on the beach. And, you know, guys were like, you saw arms blown off like they were mine detecting. But that was back in those days. Like now, obviously, people don't bury landmines in the sand on beaches, you know. But it's bridge building, demolition. Like if there was a bomb in Iraq, we would be the people put a charge on the bomb and blow it up. So the next people that come by, they wouldn't get blown up. Stuff like that. So growing up, I had little green army men. <laughs> that is the worst segue. <laughs> but it's hilarious. <laughs> and and one of them had this big stick with a big disc on the end of it. Little, the metal detector. Yeah, that, that, that's the combat engineer, yeah. <laughs> I'm guessing. <laughs> that, I'm going to put that in my sense. <laughs> I'm guessing. That's hilarious. That's not what you used. <laughs> 
That's hilarious. No, the worst part is like going no, to Macy's. No, Darnell's black. He's not green. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so what what did you use? I mean, yeah, like I said, I'm guessing you didn't use a big stick with a um, disc on the end of it. It was a bunch of longer No, sticks. I mean, because, you it's know what? a metal what? detector. <laughs> yeah. Nobody is. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know. I, you know. Yeah, but, you know. Said it twice. The Persian Gulf era. <laughs> <laughs> the Persian Gulf era back in 91, that's what they actually did use. Like, when I was in basic training my drill sergeant when you detected that mine you would have to sift it out so you would take your hands and go under the mine and fill the metal pieces and you would have to literally disarm the mine they would teach you how to disarm the mine and based on what you felt there's different type of mines and like our drill sergeant had like both of these fingers blown off. <laughs> <laughs> like he didn't detect the mine. You know what he's I mean? Like, like, he's like, I'm not the best at this. I, I learned a lot. Yeah. Hey, they, they if say you, if you can't do, teach. You know. <laughs> I'm getting so much material for this podcast today because yeah, I can never find anything funny about what. But not not to minimize it, but if you lose. A finger, yeah. Trying to disarm a mine, yeah. I think that's pretty good. Yeah, aren't, yeah. aren't mines? Yeah, you could have been dead. Yeah. I mean, mines are supposed to take out yeah. a lot. I mean, if you're losing, you know, a digit, yeah. I mean, that that seems yeah. pretty reasonable. Yeah. <laughs> so, did you actually diffuse any? No, because when I wrecked, <laughs> you know, I went to school and I, you know what I mean? I was one week and a month, you know, yeah. so we went to drill and, you know, we drank beers and, you know what I mean? It was relaxed. I didn't, yeah, those were active duty people. I was National Guard, so we didn't do any diffusing. we go to drill. We'd learn. we take classes, but it was, you know, just a blow off. What, about in, of, what about in Iraq? That's what no. that guy said about his fingers. Uh, just a well, blow off. <laughs> Cut that. <laughs> you guys are terrible. Did you diffuse any when you were once you were in Iraq? Um, what we did over there, there was a specific demolition team called EOD, and I, I'm sure everybody's seen them now. They send the little robots out, and you have a little remote control device, and they tap on it. And what we would do is we collect all the ordinances, all the bombs into one place, and we just create a big demolition pile and just blow it all up. The EOD guys. That's what the uh, the movie The Hurt Locker was, right? Yeah, Is that exactly. What the, that's, that's the it, yep. job that they were doing. Yeah, the big suits, Michelin Man looking suits, and they would go out. And so there. that's what you would go out when Hell you would... no, you know what I mean? <laughs> 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 you know, you could volunteer, get a, paid a couple extra hundred. I think it was like two hundred dollars a day to do that crap and go out there. I was like, nah, man, I'm gonna chill and play like the PlayStation. Like, <laughs> you know, I didn't want to do that, but I would do like route surveillance, like going up and down. Um, looking at the citizens. When you say go up and down, are you walking? Are you driving? Humvees. Yeah, Humvees. We would patrol. um, It was called Route Tampa in Iraq. And uh, we made up that route name, but we would go up and down Route Tampa surveilling. We would stop at the police department, pick up their police. They would be our patrols, take us through the town, and we would look around, basically moving targets. So I'm assuming you're living in a fob? At this point, yeah, yeah, forward yeah, operating yeah. base for yeah, you know. for for the layman. So you're living in a little a little base. Yeah. And when you <laughs> when you would leave yeah. your base to go, you're gonna get in a Humvee. Describe for us what the the group is. Is it just one Humvee? You got ten Humvees? What's yeah. the what's the group when you leave? That's that's a good question. We would have five Humvees at the minimum four, and um, usually I was in a lieutenant's Humvee, so. Um, you'd have a lieutenant, he would be in charge of the whole operation. 
it would be a lieutenant, the driver, and the gunner. I was a gunner, and we had the 50 cal gun on top of the Humvee. So you weren't hanging out with a metal detector off the side? No, <laughs> no, nah, no, nah, man. Nah, that's, yeah, that's thrown out. But um, you leave the gate, and uh, you do a weapons check, you know, make sure your, your weapon is armed off safe. That, you know, you're locked and loaded. You're ready to go. And you leave that gate, and uh, that's when it begins, man. You know what I mean? So, so, so you're just to go back to your mm-hmm. earlier thing. So, energy level when you pull out of that gate with your locked and loaded yeah. 50 cal going yeah. on stage, how do they compare? <laughs> that's a good question. Well, I know I'm not I mean, going to die times, on stage. <laughs> both times you're looking to kill, right? That's right. <laughs> Yeah, it's completely different. And you different, don't want though. a bomb. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't take you guys seriously, man. I, I, was, I was asking Literally. a serious question. Literally. <laughs> I was asking a serious question. That's, that's hilarious. The two are, they're both highs, but a war high is different, dude. Like, I can't even compare stage mm-hmm. to that. It's two completely separate things. Yeah. I mean, having seen the movie The Hurt Locker. Mm-hmm. Does does that do any justice to it? That that high that you can't even like kind of control and that is hard to re- readjust out of. Yeah, because when you come home, it's a it's a freaking oh my god, it's a trip. After six months, you come home. You know what I mean? And you, I came home for my birthday, and uh, you spend a week back home. You know, I remember like my girlfriend at the time. You know what I mean? Just waking up thinking I was still there. When my girlfriend came to pick me up and, you know, from the airport, we got a hotel and I wake up in the middle of the night and I'm just looking at her, you know, she's like, are you all right? <laughs> you know what I mean? But I'm thinking my mind is still in Iraq, and mm-hmm. but I'm back home. And that's not even like a PTSD, like specific trauma that you're, you're just, you're just wired. You're just, you just have yeah. your brain in that headspace. Yeah. You're in a hotel room when you're used to not being there. So... Yeah, you get that used for that. You used to be at home for a week. and Did you do one tour? Yeah, I only did one. Yeah. How long did it take you to, whatever the right word is? Reacclimate? Yeah. Readjust. <laughs> but yeah, like a year, you get readjusted. So yeah. you were gone for six months. A year. Six months. Oh, six, six months, months before months I week, took a break. Yeah. Six months, week back, then another six months. Yeah. yeah oh, oh yeah, okay. Yeah. I'm so sorry. total, total yeah. time in no, Iraq, you were there for a year. Yeah. And it took yeah. you a year to get back to normal once you got back. Yeah, about a year. Yeah. So if we had talked to you six months into being back, mm. did you know that you weren't reacclimated yet? No, I was just like, man, let's party. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you know, I just wanted to go out with my friends and have a good time because I knew I was going to have to go back over there. So, which didn't end up a... happening. Oh, I went back. No, 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 no. Okay. Yeah. So he's saying after you were done, after your year. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. During that year it. that you yeah, were, yeah. you said it took mm-hmm. you a year to get reacclimated. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If we had come and like talked to you mm-hmm. six months into that like reacclimation, did you know that you weren't reacclimated? Did you know that you were still part of your no, mind? No, because was still you're hardwired. You yeah. know what I mean? You're so hardwired into being over there and experiencing a certain type of thing. Prime example: I went to visit my cousin. I'm gonna visit him this week in Charlotte, and. We went to a, a after hours spot after the club, you know, it's after hours spot. And I stepped on this guy's sneakers and he was like immediately ready to fight. You know what I mean? I guess he was like known around the town and, 
you know, he, we've all seen we've all seen that Chris Rock sketch. <laughs> Wait, don't, don't smudge my pumas. Yeah. <laughs> let it yeah. slide. Yeah, yeah. I didn't let it slide. You know, we're going back and forth, man. And my cousin's like, no, this is my cousin. He just came back from war, man. He, you know, he doesn't know better. And he's trying to ease it. And then, like, we're walking to the car. And it's, like, two guys following us. And one guy, like, reached just to his side. And I'm like, cuz, get behind the car. Duck down. And then, like, you know what I mean? I was, like, in immediate defense mode. And the guy pulls out his keys to get the car. <laughs> like, it's like that. Because mm-hmm. you're so hardwired to just be on alert, you know? Mm-hmm. So you it gotta took wash me. your hands. Yeah. And it, even if they're car keys. <laughs> <laughs> so, you say you shouldn't even be here. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so take us through. So you got five Humvees. Yeah. You guys go out on patrol. <laughs> take us through that day. Normal patrol. Um, there was a side route that we went through. It's called Route Python. Yeah, it was called Route Python. You go through normal normal route clearance, but we were warned about that route because other what people. What do you mean normal route clearance? What uh, does that mean? Make sure there's no no bombs on the side of the road. Nobody, no kids set bombs. You know what I mean? No 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 disturbances in the town. Nobody, because at that time you had ISIS. Or whatever you wanted to call them, like they were going from Syria to Iraq carrying weapons. They were literally in the back of semi trucks, so we were trying to stop that. But anyway, we were doing our normal. We were doing our normal route clearance. Now, when you're clearing that route, mm-hmm. are you clearing it for some other group that's going to come through? Do you, is there another unit that's going to go through and do some other type of mission? Well, and you're clearing the road for them for everybody, man, because you had people. Delivering supplies, you had people going to clear oil fields. You had so much military and normal civilians going on these these regular streets. So you could be a normal civilian going to see your aunt and get blown up. You know what I'm saying? Just because you're falling behind a military convoy, and you just trip a bomb, and that's just a, the the wrong day for you. Yeah, that's it. We went down this route, normal surveillance, and we stopped. Because uh, the person behind me saw something in the bushes. We were like, stop. So, you know, you do the signal, stop. Oh, we heard like a pop, like pow. And it was crazy. Like, you know, we're the middle Humvee. We're the third out of five. So the two Humvees, th- that's the proper procedure. If something happens, the two Humvees go forward like a couple hundred yards. The back Humvees go back up a hundred yards. So you're just caught in the middle. And suddenly like, pow. So you're looking like, okay. So at that time, you're expecting fire because that's what they usually did. They detonate the bombs, mm-hmm. and then it's an ambush. So you, you got in the shootout. So we're the middle vehicle, no fire, nothing. So then we had to call in the EOD team that I was talking about earlier. And they looked, and they found like a 500-pound South African artillery round that was bought in from Syria. And it was wrapped in deck cord, but they didn't wire the bomb the correct way. But and you're it. sitting on the 50 cal at this point. The top half of you is you're outside. Yeah. So I'm looking up. I'm expecting fire. Nobody fired. So we're waiting there for like 30 minutes. We called the EOD team that detected. So you just, you just a wait. a long time to be sitting there. Yeah. Out. Yeah. How long did that 30 minutes feel like? It felt like an hour and 30 minutes. And I was shaking because I, I think that was the scary. I've been scared when I was older because it was like other instances. But that was the scariest. Were you on the gun the whole time? Yeah. Wow. So yeah. if you're expecting an ambush, yeah. you just sit there in the middle of the road. The two cars in front, yeah. they're gone. They're not gone. Like, they can still hit you. You know what I mean? They just separate so they don't get the 
full blow of that bomb. Now you have five vehicles yeah. that are all spread out over a couple hundred yards, mm -hmm. and you are just sitting there sitting in, in a spot yeah. where you are potentially going to get ambushed. Yeah, and you're exactly. just waiting to see what yeah. happens. Yeah, or that bomb for goes thirty off. minutes, or as most people would describe it, forever. That's true. Yeah, that's 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 insane. Yeah. So so you're sitting there, you're waiting for mm -hmm. half hour. What happens at the end of the half hour? The EOD, like you saw saw in the Hurt Locker, mm -hmm. the, the guys in the big suit, they come out. The guy detected the bomb, and he just looked at me. He was like, "Man, you guys are lucky." What are you talking about? He's like, dude, it's a 500-pound artillery round underneath. They put it under a culvert. What's an art what is a 500-pound artillery? It's like a big bomb, like you see in the Roadrunner <laughs> cartoons. You know what I mean? Like, that's all I can say. You remember the, the Roadrunner cartoons, the big TNT bombs? Like, mm -hmm. it literally kind of looked like one of them, but they wrapped it the wrong way. So what do they wrap it? it? What do they wrap it in? Deck cord. It's okay. like, deck cord is just like this. You know what I mean? It and it's hooked to a. Uh, so for since we don't have a video, yeah, he's pulling oh, it's one a, of our audio cables. That's like a mm -hmm. quarter inch, yeah. just thick cable. Yeah, so that that's that cord basically, and it it attaches from your charge, with de which detonates the bomb, mm -hmm. to the actual bomb itself. So whoever has a charge, you know, they, it could be something is like a washing machine timer that you could hook to that dead cord, and as soon as it gets down to zero, boom, the bomb goes off. But these people, they didn't wire it correctly around the actual bomb. So the only thing that blew up was the deck cord itself. Oh, and that was the pop that you heard. Yeah, yeah, that was a pop. Yeah. So, so, so was it based on a timer? Or it was based on, I mean, it was set by the fact that you guys were going by? It could have been a cell phone. Like, they don't know what it was attached to. And you don't think it was a person, right? Yeah, it was what, definitely a what, person, yeah. But why, but it... Not a person like watching you go by and deciding when to do it. Yeah, that's you think it, it, it definitely was. Yeah. Why so didn't okay. they? Why didn't they shoot at you then? Sometimes they would, and in that particular situation, they just wanted to set off a charge and and kill people. So you if, know what I mean? If that pop had actually worked, what would have happened? Yeah. What kind of damage does a five hundred? It would have took out all five vehicles because they they said that that five hundred pounds could have wiped out. Easily a quarter mile to half a mile radius. Yeah. Yeah. So. And then, you know, the craziest thing is we specifically told them to not travel down that route. Yeah. Told who to travel? Uh, not travel higher down. ups, colonels, you know, generals. So you already knew that was a high risk area. Yeah. And everything that we did after our missions, we would go back to the base and report it to the top. All the higher ups are and they plan out the routes and like, okay, don't go down there. You know what I mean? So we had a four star general come in from Washington and they were trying to show off for this guy. There was a, a gunner. He was from Brooklyn and uh, he was originally like from Africa. I remember seeing him multiple times, but we told him not to go down that route. They did the same thing. But this time they actually ambushed them. This and, was after. Yeah, I would say probably two months after, after this happened, like two months. And they ambushed him and, you know, he got shot and just, you know, that was it. So, so. they take, in that time, that convoy got taken out. Yeah. And he was the only person that died, unfortunately. Like the whole time we were there, you know, we were, we, we were blessed to only have two people lose their lives and it was him and another person that got shot and killed out of probably 
250, 300 soldiers. So that day, you said that the you know the EOD guys, one of the things that they would do is they would take all the bombs and all the ordnance that they would find and they would put in a pile mm-hmm. and you know do a controlled demolition. Yeah. When you have a 500-pound bomb that, I mean, has the potential to take out a quarter to a half a mile, mm-hmm. where do you dispose of that? Oh, there is. Because you're not digging a pit mm-hmm. and just popping that in there with a bunch of other bombs and setting it off. Yeah, yeah. What, what, what happens now? So you're sitting, mm-hmm. you're sitting and EOD comes, mm-hmm. and they say, I mean, you've got a bomb that pretty much should have wiped out all of you. Yeah. But the deck cord, you know, that was the only thing that went. And now you're sitting there 30 minutes in. What happens next? You know, they come out and they just remove it, man. You know, they take it to where it needs to go. No, um, but I mean, for you, do you guys just go on your day? You go finish the rest of the patrol yeah, down Tampa Bay Alley? Of, or? Yeah, you finish the rest of the mission. Um, after that, I don't know if we finished the rest of the mission or we went back to the base, to be honest with you. I really don't remember that part. Um, cause that usually seemed, that seems like it would be a tough rest of the day. Like, yeah. hey, the, the bombs, I'm pretty the sure, bombs yeah. defuse, carry on fellas. <laughs> yeah. No, nah. finish, finish this yeah. up. See, see what else you can find. Yeah. Good, good catch. Nah. <laughs> nah, nah, I'm pretty sure it was, it was the end of the, the mission at that point. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure we went back because there are times that, you know, when that happened, it got to the point where you didn't look forward to getting the ambush, but you knew when that happened, like, you know, it would be an early day. Like, it's over. You know what I mean? So you, it, it'll just be time to go back. Were you ever ambushed? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we took uh, a lot of ambushes. What was that like? It was cool. One night, I... Because <laughs> you that's, get used to it. That's, that's not, the only reason that's I said that. That's not the expected answer. <laughs> <laughs> no, one night, I, I, was, I fell asleep. Like, we had four-hour missions, then you go back for four hours sleep, and then four hours back out. Or it might be eight hours. You might have, you know, double. But, how, good, uh, how good at falling asleep do you get? Oh, man, that was great. I fell asleep <laughs> on a 50 cal, and then I woke up to a bomb, like, skidding across the road right from there. <laughs> so I was like, okay, we got attacked. Time to wake up and fire. So you just fired into the woods at random. And, uh, yeah, that that was probably crazy. Just waking up to, you know, a uh, what do you call it, RPG. The ones you put a big torpedo, mm-hmm. like rocket propelled grenade. Yeah. So, do you still fall asleep pretty well? No, no. no. He's like, I wake up screaming. <laughs> <laughs> nah, nah, it's not, it's not bad. It's not bad. It's not bad. I mean, like, that's, that's an insane thing. I mean, I would assume that most of the people listening have normal jobs and hope for you know the occasional half day on a holiday. Where it's not, you know, punctuated by like, hey, I hope we get in a shootout today because that means I get to go home early. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, just, I can't say I would, I would hope for it. I can't say I would hope for it. But when it would happen, you know, you just get it over with and then you knew it was over. Like, okay, I can go back and sleep now. Well, and <laughs> Joe's looking at me like, that is very disgusting. So, so <laughs> no I've, never, I've never been on an, on any of that level. But yeah. when you're on... Ohio, when you're on, like, you're, you're driving around, you're expecting it. Yeah. When it happens, mm-hmm. at least it closes that expectation. Yeah. 
you know, because otherwise it just you're waiting for something that never comes. Yeah. And so that you're just on high alert. Yeah. Your adrenaline's pumping all day. Yeah. Where at least if it if it does happen, I, I understand how, how that closes that. Yeah, um, that's like, I mean, you, you talk about the comparison of going on stage. Mm-hmm. Imagine. He said there was no comparison, actually. No, no I, I can't compare it. To <laughs> no, but to, what you're saying, the comparison of saying, like, imagine every day you get up. And they're like, hey, you're going to go on stage and you're going to open for Charlie Murphy. You're going to do 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. And then you just don't. You get to the club. You're like, not today. Come back tomorrow. Oh, okay. Not today. Come back tomorrow. Yeah. And then you go through that routine every day. And you're like, I am prepared to go on stage. Yeah. And do yeah, this. Yeah. I have got that in my head. I am yeah. ready. Yeah. And then when it happens, you're like, this yeah. is what I prepared for. Versus yeah. like... That was a really anticlimactic drive because yeah. tomorrow we could come across a 500 pound African mine and all get blown to bits. Yeah. But today yeah. we just took a leisurely drive through the desert. Yeah. Then... Like I never, I, I never gotten shot at in my life. You know what I mean? Like in my life and you know, our first mission, what we would do is we would do like test runs where there was an old burnt down compound. And we would shoot all of our, it'd be like 12 o'clock at night. It's dark like, like it is now. We shoot all of our weapons, tracer rounds. You see, you know, shoot at this compound. And I don't know to this day why we did it. I guess it was a weapons check. They started shooting back one night. Like, you know what I mean? Like, don't shoot into my mud hut. We will shoot back. <laughs> and, you know what I mean? Something went past my head and it was just like, Zzz. and I was like, man, and you that heard was it. A- yeah, you know, right past my head. And I'm like, that was a big-ass pee. <laughs> I, had, I had like a forest cup bubble. Like, Davis, that wasn't a damn pee. That Something was a bit me. <laughs> yeah. That was such a forest cup moment. But, yeah, it was an AK bullet. That, well, whatever bullet it was. But yeah. Well, you did. I went to Forrest Gump right before you said we had a guy named Brooklyn. He was from Africa. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Brooklyn from Texas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, that's that's that was my experience. When you got back that day, mm-hmm. so when when you got the explanation that that bomb had mm-hmm. that bomb gone off, yeah, that's just I mean, let's be real, that's lights out. Yeah, we don't we don't talk to Darnell again. We don't talk to any of the other guys in that convoy. Yeah, do you go back that day mm-hmm. and look at things differently, or does it take a minute to settle in? Does that click? Everything after now is borrowed time. Now, literally now. Probably. Yeah, I mean. We talk about on the show of like, we shouldn't yeah. even be here. Like we've yeah. had surgeries. We've had things where like, hey, yeah. if things went differently on this day, mm-hmm. I shouldn't even be here today. I, Do I, you, did yeah. you ever look at that moment as like a turning point until yeah. I asked you <laughs> to like come up with a day? No, I, you know, I, I, I just consider a blessing, man. You know what I mean? Like I consider everything as, you know, like it was meant for me to still be here. You know what I mean? I'm here for a reason. Because they were literally like seven times almost lost my life over there. Can we go through yeah, the, you, the other six? Do you really want to know? <laughs> yeah, we can, we'll listen to all of them. We got, I'll sit here all night. I, no, I mean, you know, there are times that um, charges would detonate. One mission specifically, we responded. It's called QRF, Quick Reaction Force. So we're constantly on alert at the base inside in case somebody gets attacked then we respond to that attack Mm -hmm. like if you ever watch the movies and you see the apaches shooting bombs on the ground 
That's QRF, Quick Reaction Force. So one night, right outside the base, like a mile down the road, somebody got attacked, a convoy, and they were carrying goods to another base. So we had to respond to that. And what's crazy, this guy, he just got engaged to this girl. He was a sergeant and, you know, just got engaged and they're riding together in the in the convoy. And the they girl got, he got engaged to yeah, is another soldier who's yeah, with him in convoy? And they're riding together and, like, they got hit, you know what I mean? So they went off into the, the you know, the, the fields and we responded. So as a gunner, I had a big spotlight, you know, and when I, cause it's dark out and I would shine that spotlight into the fields to try to see where everybody else. And she just came out, man. And she was bleeding and like, it looked like, like one of the 13 goals, like her jaw was separated. And, you know, she just was like, my husband, you know, he got hit and the guy's torso. I, I don't even want to go into detail about it, but he was, he was dead, you know, and she comes to us. So, we responded to that, but that while was the, that was the day they got engaged, I just know they were engaged. They were recently okay, that's engaged. A, that's what everybody told me. Like they had just gotten engaged while we responded to that. That's how they got you. Like they would set up one bomb that would get you there and then more people would come and they would have another bomb waiting for you. So while we responded to that, there was a secondary bomb that was right under us and they let that bad boy go. So every people that, that had already dismounted that are on the ground responding to that, that bomb goes off and these guys just go Oof, flying in the air. And I'm like already in the Humvee, so I had a little bit of stability and even, you know, lifted me up. But uh, that was another time. The actual bomb didn't go off. You know what I mean? I, that one might have actually went off now that I think about it because it lifted people off of their feet. But um, nobody was hurt. That's the main thing, but... It could have been a lot worse. So people got lifted off their feet by a bomb. Yeah. And weren't hurt. Because it was more buried. It's like yeah. these culverts that they'll bury them in. So they're messing up more of the landscape. Mm -hmm. You know, they did, it's like they didn't know what they were doing. They're messing more of the landscape up than actual hurting people. Like if you would put it out in the open, it would have hurt people. But we had gotten so good at detecting stuff like that, they had tried to find like more crafty ways of hiding the bombs. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But the first bomb, I mean, obviously, yeah, the first it, took bomb out, did, yeah. it took out quite a few people. Yeah. And, you know, it was just sad because, like I said, that woman just, you know, got engaged to that man. You know. And uh, she, you said she was maimed pretty bad. Did she survive? Yeah. I'm not sure. You know, we responded and they would take her to the base to get medical attention. They would um, medevac him out to Germany. Not Germany, not as far as Germany. But um, there was a base that they would medevac the people to to get medical treatment. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I'm not sure she made it or not. You know, we were just that quick reaction for us to get there and get them out. And if we had to respond, we would respond, you know. And then pretty much once they're gone, I mean, they're just, it's, it's a different thing. You, yeah, man. You, know, you just go on to the next day and the next mm -hmm. chance. Like, you know, I feel, I just, you know, I, that's one thing I do have, I still deal with is uh, a little bit of survivor's guilt because I'll see people that I was over there with like missing limbs and stuff, mm -hmm. you know, I'm like, damn, that could have been me. You know what I mean? So, you know, and I work at the veterans hospital, so, you know, I'm just like, damn, you know what I mean? Like, and these people are still strong, still making it, you when, know what I mean? When you say you're working at it, what do you, what do you do to work at it? 
Oh no, I work at the hospital where I see. No, veterans. But you, you said you still deal with like the survivors guilt. You said you. you oh. Know, what do you do for that? Oh no, I mean it isn't. You know it isn't bad anymore. Um, now you, it's just something that you see, and you know that's a veteran. You know he went through the same thing that I did. I was blessed to make it out. You know mm -hmm. that that's all. You know I can't really say survivors guilt. You're like, damn, that could have been me. That's, you feel bad. Really... It's not. It's it's not putting you in a place where you're. Yeah. Like, getting counseling for survivor's guilt, but you, no, you see no, them no. and you know that. Yeah. That like, yeah. some lucky times. Yeah. You got you got lucky. Yeah. That... Very. Yeah. Very. Yeah. And you still carry that with you today? You know, like on a random day you're walking. I just around, respect people. You know? you know, any veteran that that has gone through war, whether Vietnam, World War Two, World War One, Korea, all the conflicts, man, I respect them. You know what I mean? Because when you're a soldier, not everybody goes to war. You know what I mean? Like it's some people that I work with now are like, Man, I wish I would have went to war. You know, we were in Kuwait, we didn't get any conflict. I'm like, dude, do you really wish you know what I mean? Like what type of stupid crap is that to say? Like I wish I would, like, you know, that's a sick mind. Like, nobody, you know, you don't wish that, you know, but, mm -hmm. you know. Now, when you look back, you know, you, you've gone through these things. You've seen what you've seen. Mm -hmm. If you had the choice, would you go the route of just having gotten student loans? <laughs> <laughs> like, if, you, like if, I go back, if I can go back to 1999, <laughs> for real, no, for real. If yeah, you, yeah. you know, you you watch that video. If the the video <laughs> after that was from Freddie Mac, mm -hmm. and they're like, "Hey, you know, we're gonna saddle you with some some interest loans that are gonna be yeah. insurmountable," <laughs> but you know, you take instructions for this guy with gonna, no fingers. You're gonna buy. You're gonna take out a loan. You're gonna get a you know a Hummer H1, and there's never gonna be a bomb under it. You can drive in the driver's seat. You, know? yeah. you have to do 50 cal. Like, would you do it all over again? I don't know, man. I I think since since high school, I was just always proud of used to being in that team, man. Just like football and track sports, that I did. You know, when we were in high school, and I just was you know part of a team. So when I got in college, I wanted that same thing. You know, I didn't just want to be the guy that went to class and came back to the dorm room and you know, was bored. Like I had to be a part of a team and that's just the team I chose. You know, it really wasn't about the money to me because a lot of my friends copped out of going to war. It was just that team. And like, if anything I miss about the armed forces is the camaraderie, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like if you see like band of brothers and all that stuff, it, that's real. You know what I mean? Like camaraderie is like those, the people that I went there with, like, you know, some of us still work together and we all keep in touch. You know what I mean? And everybody's going through a different phase of life right now. But we all have that that bond, you know. So, so I, you know, that's what I, it's crazy. So that's something that I've heard soldiers um, will talk about when they come back from being in war and being in conflicts. Is that when they get back to just, they're expected to go from whatever it was that they were doing in war and they get back to civilian life here stateside. They don't have that connection to that small group of people. Mm -hmm. Is that something that you still feel to the unit that you had? Oh, no, no, no. I mean, you know, I reconnected with my old friends and, you know, years go on. This, this is uh, 2019, so it's been 14 years. You know what I mean? So obviously you move on with life. And um, but I know a lot of. I can't see a lot, but I know some guys that I've served with that 
took other paths, you know what I mean? Had problems with their family. Um, you know, I had a buddy that lost people while we were over there. You know, people take different paths. You know, for for some reason, I've been on the straight and narrow. I haven't really had any problems. You know, I've been blessed to not really have any problems since I came back. 14 years later, you know, you just learn to readjust. I have, you know, not everybody else has. You know, like the other day I had a conversation with a guy that we, we worked together. We were in the same squad, been through the same thing. And he's telling uh, somebody else, like, do you know what Darnell went through? Like, you know what I mean? I'm like, shut up, man. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> don't bring that up. You know what I mean? Because it's just a part of you that you just try to not forget about, but just move on with your life. And that's what you did in the past, you know. And not relive it over and over again. Yeah, you don't want to. Yeah, how many? Uh, how often do you think about it? I mean, we're making you go through like the whole thing here tonight, you know. Mm -hmm. How often do you think about what you went through? I don't think about it until really? unless somebody brings it up. You know what I mean? Like my the the woman I'm dating now, she dated somebody that was in Iraq, and he would wake up at night and you know he would like strangle her. You know what I mean? And that's how they broke up. I could relate to that because, like I told you, when. I woke up in the hotel room. I was shocked. I didn't strangle my girlfriend at that time, but I could relate to him because he saw a lot of things over there too. So when she told me a story about him and why they broke up, I'm not like, oh, that dude's crazy. You know, like, okay, he went through a lot of things. Like he was an architect and he took a different path in life, joined the service and he got activated. And he saw some things that he shouldn't have saw. And, you know, that can change your mindset. You know, it just didn't change me to that point for some reason. I have no idea. So now you work at the VA now. Yeah. The, you know, we're in a different time. It's not post-Vietnam where people look at things differently, where we have more of a respect for what people in your position go through. At the VA, for people who might have gotten back from Iraq, mm -hmm. Afghanistan, does the VA provide for them mental health stuff that the VA provides? What is there available for people who, yeah. you know, are, are not adjusting, yeah. you know, to the things that they saw or the things that they went through? Yeah, no, there's a lot of mental health programs out there, you know, for um, people that did come back and have problems. The VA offers a lot, man. You know what I mean? Uh, a lot of people got addicted to drugs. They offer drug counseling. They have a drug facility in Bath, New York. You go out there for a couple months. And, you know, they give you housing and, you know, try to get you the VA. See, that, that's the problem that I've noticed while working there. Like a lot of people don't reach out or don't know of the services available to them. You know what I mean? Like sometimes you'll see like, oh, I'm a struggling veteran, you know, let me have a dollar. It's like, dude, just go to the VA, like tap into the services that are out there. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But they don't know that, you know, so. Mm -hmm. It's tough seeing that sometimes. It's like, because the VA does, like, the VA has a pretty big federal budget. You know what mm. I mean? They have money to do some good things, and they are doing it. And, but a and, lot of veterans. And I know recently the VA has been getting some bad press about delays and getting people services, mm -hmm. having work there, being, you know, being on the ground. What's your opinion of, of what they provide? I, I think that they made a, a good policy now, um, you know, that if you don't have an appointment, if they can't schedule an appointment within the upcoming two months, you can go to an outside provider and they'll pay for it. Two months is a long time. That's yeah. a long, yeah, that's, that's, a long that's, time. That's, that's reasonable. Yeah. yeah. In my opinion. Yeah. 
I'd be pretty unhappy if I called my yeah. doctor and they said, we can't schedule in two months. <laughs> yeah. I could die, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'd be like... <laughs> no, not that, not that that's not a good step, but, mm-hmm. you know, if, if someone's going through, you know, a hard thing yeah, and they're like, man, I'm, I am, I'm struggling. Yeah. It's like, I need to see somebody, right you now. know, I want to come in yeah. and they're like, we can get you in in uh, yeah. 11 weeks. Yeah. It's like, it's like, oh, I think that, they got better. That's a, though. that's a big, that's a big, yeah. Ga- 11 weeks from now, it's like, yeah, okay. Yeah. But yeah, um, yeah, I think the VA's gotten a lot better since I've been there. I've seen a lot of improvement. Well, because you've helped. How yeah. long have you been working there? Uh, this is my sixth year in April. I mean, I know that the, for the, the government itself has gotten a lot, uh, more veteran friendly in terms of what a veteran has to show mm-hmm. in order to be eligible for assistance mm-hmm. when they get back. You know, I don't have any complaints with the VA. I'm not just saying that because I work there. Yeah. But um, I've been able to see the improvements. What is Chris laughing at? I'm smiling. <laughs> it, makes, it makes me happy that they're getting better. Yeah, yeah. No, I wasn't laughing. I was really smiling. Like... <laughs> no, they, they really are. It's a lot of services available to veterans, and I feel that, like, Private organizations, corporations are doing more for veterans. Home Depot, um, I've seen something online where if a veteran needs a job, they can go to Walmart and they have, you know, like manager managerial positions. Like, So there's a lot of people reaching out to veterans now. And it just seems like a bigger presence now, like companies, private companies are reaching out or, you know, veteran discounts. It's like, it's no reason that a veteran should be homeless or struggling. There was a point where I think I was working at Geico at the time and, you know, I came on some hard times. I had a car payment, rent was due, and I didn't have a lot of money. Went to the VA, it got canned goods, and they took care of me. You know, this was like when I first came back, maybe two years after. But it, I just came across hard times and, you know, they took care of me. You know, eventually I got in that system, got in the VA system, got a job there, and it's, it's been cool ever since. A lot of people down that VA system, it's really not bad. You you made the comment earlier that you want to find a way to work this material. No, you guys helped me because I can never really find a direct correlation between what I've been through in the army and putting that into a joke format. Really, so you've been your, through some funny shit, man. I'm yeah, yeah, that was surprised. funny. Yeah, yeah, some of the jokes you got, I'm dying laughing because I never really thought of it in a humor way. <laughs> But uh, you well, know. it takes three guys who haven't been shot at to, yeah, find, to find the yeah. humor. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's completely unrelated. I always wanted to do comedy since I was like eight years old, and my mother—I think I told you this—my mother was like, "Comedians don't make any money. Don't do comedy." And I listened to that for the majority of my life. And you know, they put me through good schools and Canisius and um, UB. And when I did Iraq, and you know, I came out to the normal civilian world. I just was like, you know what, I'm going to do what I want to do now. You know, it took me until I was 33. And I finally was like, I went to an open mic and I seen somebody that I grew up with. I'm like, this dude sucks. So I can do this. <laughs> I'm like, he sucks. I'm like, he was corny back then. He's corny now. Like, I can get up there and do what he's doing. So I got up there and I started doing what he was doing. And then. You know, that was the start of my comedy. Oh, he steals jokes and he does this. And at that time, I'm not going to lie, I did steal jokes when I first started because I didn't know better. You know, I didn't know what a hack was. I didn't know what anything was. Like my first year in, I did kind of steal jokes. And 
once somebody brought that to my attention. Actually, Mark did. Mark Walton that we went to high school with. He called me at like 1 o'clock in the morning. And then he was like, yeah, so-and-so told me that you were still in a joke. That was very embarrassing. Like, I appreciate him doing that because it woke me up and it made me actually start writing my material. And it made me do more original stuff. From that point, you know, it's all personal experiences and relationships. And it just made me a better comedian. But you're starting off. A lot of comedians, it's comedians that I work with now that I'm actually mentoring now. They're doing the same thing I was doing. Dude, don't. Do that. Just mm -hmm. write your material. Just write your own material. Be original. My mother, before she passed, you know, it's crazy because she kind of came around full circle, man. I got booked to do a show in Vegas and I went to Vegas and I was like, Mom, come with me to Vegas. You know, she loves the slots and stuff. I'm like, come with me to Vegas. I don't want to come. I don't like planes. And she didn't want to come. And then I was doing my show in Toronto and she was just like, you know, you really enjoying life right now. And I didn't think of it anything at that time. Every day that's in my head, what she said, like, you're really enjoying life right now. I'm just like, she realized that I was living out my dreams. The fact that something I wanted eight years old, I'm able to do that and, you know, go different places now. Like she saw like Darnell's happy. I just try to keep doing that because my mom realized that it finally made me happy. And I was at the point where I wasn't trying to impress her. I wasn't trying to impress anybody else. I was doing something that I love. That's great. Yeah, yeah. Darnell, thank you. Thank yeah. you for coming out. Appreciate thank you, for you guys. Your story. We appreciate, appreciate you guys. Yeah, appreciate thank you, you enough. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> the, uh, like, we want to go to sleep now. This is <laughs> anybody in the Buffalo area, July 20th at Buffalo Ironworks. Yeah. Laugh Out Loud. Brick City Live podcast, usually Thursdays, sometimes on Wednesdays. <laughs> it's live. You got to follow Darnell and he, he'll live stream it. But you can follow us on Twitter. We'll post pictures from the show and other links at not even be here on Twitter. And uh, like I said, Darnell, thanks again. Thank you, guys. That you've managed to be walking around all this time is nothing short of a miracle. Not even supposed to be here today. <laughs>